electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on Squawk Pod. Starbucks is brewing a change. After three separate stints as CEO, Howard Schultz is finally, officially stepping aside. I am never coming back again because we found the right person. That right person, Lakshman Narashiman, a Pepsi and consumer goods alum. It's a unique opportunity for me to apprentice very close to an iconic founder in an iconic company with an iconic brand. Andrew Ross Sorkin is in Seattle to speak with them both about the handover, doing business in China, and inflation's impact on our little joys. It's still an affordable luxury. If brands have differentiation and if brands provide benefits that are superior and they provide an escape, I think consumers are sticking with them for now. Those stories today, plus Russia's power hold, Meta's next-gen tech, and so much more. That's next. If he does that. That's a step too far for you? Yes. Well, time for a latte. It's Wednesday, September 7th, 2022, and Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand back you by in three, two, one, cue please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. We're live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick along with Joe Kernan. Andrew will be reporting live from Seattle this morning and will join us a little later with Starbucks founder Howard Schultz and the company's incoming CEO, Lakshman Narishman. We're going to be checking on all of these things with Starbucks and much more. But in the meantime, let's take a look at what's been happening with the markets. The Nasdaq was down for its seventh negative session in a row. And in fact, that's the longest losing streak it's seen since November of 2016. That's a very long time ago. It was a month after my daughter was born and yesterday was her first day of kindergarten. So that tells you about the passage of time since we've seen some of these records that have been set. If you're checking out the indexes year to date, we are starting to look at some negative numbers again. These are the year to date numbers, but if you were looking at off the highs, the Dow is now more than 15% from its all time high. S&P is down by about 19% from its all time high, and the NASDAQ is down more than 28% from its all time high. So you are starting to talk about those lows coming, coming close once again, even after we saw some pretty strong gains over the, the bulk of the summer. If you're watching Treasury yields, they're setting some records, too. Yesterday, the 30-year, the 10-year, the 5-year, and the 2-year, all were looking at the highest yields we've seen since June of 2016. Crude oil prices have been, uh, at least lately, if you're watching some of these things, picking up a little bit. WTI at 87.32. You might be surprised it's not even higher, given some of the things we've heard from OPEC and beyond with Russia. But uh, you are talking about concerns about recession, maybe holding it back from even higher levels at this point. And then the dollar is at its highest level since June of 2002, its highest level against the, the yen, Joe, since 1998. In my opinion, which nobody cares about, it, it definitely should be parity or, or higher it with, is, with, with, the, with euro. the euro yeah. and with the British pound, because we're a, we're a better place. We're, we have a... <laughs> And the, we have a better economy, uh, at least right we now. We have a better, better set of. of, of oh my God! I almost fell. I almost just fell off my chair. Because um, you were shocked at how. No, high because the I is. don't have a thing here that, that needs to be there, and I, I really it did it disrupted things, Mac. Um, <laughs> He's bringing your apple. The, uh, earlier this morning, well, yesterday, 
the, the averages were up. Well, we talked yeah. about it all morning long. And then, you know, the, immediately it opens and it's just like, bleh. you know, people realize how horrible everything is. Before it goes 10 o'clock. This morning it was, the, it was the opposite. It was the, when I got up, there were triple digit losses. Now we're up at least red. 65. But you know what hasn't turned around? Did you place around? any bets before the market opens today, though? On, I, I lost on the Reds last night. So, no. No, in other words. I wouldn't. Recession in Germany is inevitable. That's according to Deutsche Bank CEO Christian Suing speaking at a summit in Frankfurt. They have that crappy euro sign, which is all battered and falling apart, which is perfect, uh, actually, uh, as an allegory. And Suing said central banks need to act quickly to tame price gains. He said the longer inflation remains high, the greater the strain and the higher the potential for social conflict, in his words. Did you hear? I heard yesterday that someone called Nord Stream Nordstrom. Nordstrom's. I, I saw that on Twitter, yeah. Did Nordstrom... Poor Nordstrom going to get a bad name, just like Corona right. beer. Putin was shutting down Nordstrom, which, you know, if, if that's next, if he does that... That's a step too far for you? Yes. Maybe if he, he shuts down... Piano player? <laughs> yeah. If he shuts down Nordstrom, I don't know. That, uh, he just keep his hands off our, our upscale retailers. All right. I think Europe would probably prefer it because <laughs> if you look at the update of what is actually happening with Europe's Good. energy crisis, Russian President Vladimir Putin actually saying at this news conference or saying this morning uh, that Germany and Western sanctions are to blame for the shutdown of the Nord Stream 1 pipeline. He was speaking at an economic forum and Putin blasted a proposal by the EU for a price cap on Russian gas as stupid. He said global demand for Russian energy is high. EU ministers will hold an emergency meeting on Friday to talk about that price cap plan. And I don't know if you've seen, there's the back and forth as to whether those price caps will actually work. No, they'll work. They'll work in, in doing what happens whenever you have wage and price controls. It, it, it skews the market dynamics in a way that, that, that you probably wouldn't like. When you think about... I mean, I, I'm not going back to 1776. I just can't. I can't do it every day. With but we never back learned. Back to the 70s. Back to the 70s. Back to any. Just back to, back to Econ 101 at like a crappy school. You can figure. You can learn about this stuff. But we never. We never. There's a lot of things that we're repeating that I thought we had settled. Mark Zuckerberg announcing that Meta is going to be holding its annual virtual reality concert, a conference called Connect, on October 11th. In the announcement post that came on Facebook, of course, Zuckerberg appears to be wearing a new headset, which is probably Project Cambria. That's a highly anticipated mixed reality headset. The headset is believed to include the computing power to capture the real world with external cameras and display them inside, inside that headset in real time and color. And this is where things get pretty confusing. What's real life, what's not, and be careful around anybody who's wearing glasses around you because they're probably recording you. They'll be at home anyway because they won't be going to work. <laughs> so they'll be sitting at home, they'll go on vacation at home, they won't go to work. I, I like now I'm hearing about how, you know, people can... F off at work, too. You know, it's not just at home where they can screw around. It's, you know, you can be really unproductive. Do people really believe that there's no difference between when you're in a work setting and your colleagues are around and there's a boss maybe checking? No. As opposed to at home 
where no one's watching you, which, and, and you've really got to be on the honor system. All right, for, I'll, I'll for take working Andrew's side of it today. I, Who's? I'll take Andrew's side of it today. Because Who's not he's here? Not here. No, he's to <laughs> talk about this side of it. I, I, look, I go back and forth. I think there is some middle ground. I, I think it's problematic to never be in the office. I think we've seen it—the collapse of, of cultures and workplaces over the last two and a half years—and it didn't fall off a cliff instantaneously. Because we had to, we had to rise out. to the occasion. We had to rise to the occasion. We had the technology and the tools to use it. But the longer we are out of the office, the more problematic it gets. You don't know people who are new hires. You don't. You haven't connected with people in person in years, and that gets to be a serious problem. Probably less so for people who are higher up the food chain because they have connections and can work these things. I don't think younger people realize how limiting it's going to be eventually on their ability to advance. I'm not saying that people should be commuting into New York City five days a week. I think New York has kind of come up with its own problems for this. You look at the crime on the streets. Would you want to get on well, a subway? One city. I'm just talking. I, I, I don't know why we, we just bring it back to New York. Because I'm New talking York is about the least, the least populated city at this point in terms of. But like, just in terms of just philosophically on whether you, you, you go no, off I, to work. I, I why do you need to you. look any further than, than our children in, I, in it schools? It was not good for the kids. It's probably right? not good there, for There's us. the article I read today was uh, t people were grappling with exactly how to get people back on track in school, whether it's tutoring, whether it's, you know, they're canceling some snow days. There's, uh, there's a lot of, I don't know how we get a, an entire generation of kids back on track that were socially and, you know, intellectually stunted by the, and, and, and here we are thinking that it's, that, that it's normal and it's okay to do with the workplace. It doesn't make any sense. Unless you just think I, adults I aren't say, children, no, which I, they I are. No, I will say, <laughs> some of us especially, right. but I, I will say that the idea of having more flexibility is a good thing. The idea that people have been forced to say, okay, if there's an emergency at home, if you have childcare issues, you should be able to go home and take care of those things, as long as you're getting your work done. But I think the bulk of the work probably we've, for a lot of us we, We've seen the cushy social uh, sort of experiments in Europe for years and years and years, and their GDP is 40% below ours on average over the past 30 kind years. Kind of a kinder, gentler way kinder, of having gentler, some flexibility. You know, this is, this is if you're a parent. Money never sleeps, pal. This is the, this is the world okay, that Gordon, you need to go, go. Yeah, this is the world you need to go into to, you know. I get, get up at 3.30. I know, we're here. Every day. We're here. I walk to school. Uphill, both ways, in the snow, in the summer. Did I tell you that? <laughs> Coming up, Starbucks has changed the game for coffee consumers. And the biggest force of that the last 35 years was longtime CEO Howard Schultz. The ambition of Starbucks is much grander than ever before. He is stepping down. Again, Schultz has come out of retirement twice to run Starbucks. But this time, he says it's for good. This is a great day for Starbucks. I feel like we have uh, a number one draft choice uh, and, and so excited. And that pick would be new CEO Lakshman Narashiman, who is coming from the corner office of consumer products company Reckitt Ben Kieser, the maker of Lysol. He's primed and ready for Seattle's corner office. Just about. You're going to put on the green apron? How are your barista skills? It's the thing I'm the most nervous about because I want to do that really well. More Squawk Pod right after this. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This podcast is supported by FedEx. 
Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Welcome back to Squawk Pod. Five, four, three, two, one, one, two, three. Today, from the NASDAQ market site in New York. This is Becky's mic. Straight up, I'm Becky. And from Seattle, Washington. Stand by. Up, I'm Becky. Q. Right now, we're going to head out to Seattle. That's where we find Andrew, who joins us with a preview of what's coming up. Andrew, good morning. Good morning. We are sleepless in Seattle, Becky Quick, this morning. Uh, Here at a Starbucks, I'm live in Seattle uh, at a Starbucks reserve store. I'm going to be speaking with Starbucks' founder, uh, Howard Schultz, and incoming CEO, Lakshman uh, Narasimhan, in an exclusive interview. You can only see here, uh, he was just announced uh, the new incoming CEO uh, last Thursday. Uh, coming in from wreck it. it was big news in Starbucks world, this iconic coffee maker and the future of it. So we're, we'll talk about that and so much more. All of the, the various challenges that, that this company is confronting right now with uh, labor and inflation and everything else. And we'll also, of course, get uh, Howard Schultz's thoughts and get a sense of how all of this came together. That is actually a pretty good looking Starbucks behind you, Andrew. It is. It's a beautiful Starbucks. And I have my, you know, on, on the show in New York, uh, we, we often get iced coffee from, from Starbucks. This is in a, a glass Ooh. glass. You know, we that have looks like a Guinness. That's cups. a Guinness. So it's, it's, <laughs> don't give us right? that crap. That's a, that's a Guinness. Andrew, is it, is it just cold, fattening, iced, fattening drinks? Is that the new Starbucks? And I also, I can't wait to hear you talk about. Sign us up. Yeah, I can't wait. Yeah, exactly. I can't wait to hear you talk about labor issues. I, I mean, that is such a, I don't know what line does Howard Schultz walk with the labor issues, Andrew. That's a good one. I know you're ready for that. I know you can't wait for, for that topic. We're, we're going to talk a lot about labor, obviously. Uh, the, the inflation picture, uh, the China piece of all of this. And really, uh, what Lakshman sees in terms of how this is all going to come together, it's worth noting, as you know, uh, that there have been two leaders of the business since uh, Howard, Howard uh, effectively handed over the reins and handed over the reins twice and has had to come back. So we're going to talk about that and what that relationship is going to look like as well. And I know a lot of investors uh, and customers are interested in, in trying to understand all of those different dynamics. We're going to bring that to you. We are live in Seattle this morning. Starbucks recently naming a new CEO to take the helm of the company after founder Howard Schultz stepping in as interim CEO last spring and joining us now in an exclusive interview. Right here is Howard Schultz. Uh, Nice to see you, sir. And incoming CEO Lakshman Narasimhan. It's great to see you this morning. Great to see you. Thank you for being in Seattle. Uh, Thank you for for having us. And I should say we were talking about uh, your name and uh, the idea of of pronouncing it, by the way, on, on, on Lakshman. But then you said there's an easier way to do it. There's an easier way to do it. I have a barista name. You have a barista give, name. Which I give to the baristas when I go into the store. And it's just Lax. L-A-K-S. Lax. Lax. And they love it and they like it and, I, and they never get it wrong. They never get it wrong. Um, this is big news last week. Mm-hmm. Um, I know this has been big news and a, a lot of anticipation about who was going to ultimately uh, be the new CEO of this company, Howard. So take us through. How did this happen? Uh, yeah. How did you get to know him? Sure. Uh, how did you decide this was going to be the next CEO? Sure. Well, first of all, uh, it's a great day for Starbucks. Uh, I feel like we have uh, a number one draft choice 
and, and so excited. But let, let's look at the landscape of Starbucks. 35,000 stores around the world. Our ambition has never been greater than it is today. Uh, a lot of people interested in this job. We took our time. Melody did a great job. The search committee did a great job. Melody Hobson, chair yeah. of the board. Yeah. But when we met Laxman, uh, what I saw in him was somebody who is, A, a global citizen, uh, a world-class operator, uh, an entrepreneur, and he's got, he's got that DNA all over it in everything he's done. But most importantly, someone who's steeped in humility and understands and respects the culture and values of Starbucks Coffee Company. He's going to be a great, great leader for the future of our company. Okay, it's probably, you can put earmuffs on. It's hard to hear all this stuff while, 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 while somebody's, you know, especially uh, someone who's modest about this stuff. But um, history here, uh, you worked at McKinsey, uh, PepsiCo, we were talking, by the way, you worked with Brian Cornell. We were yes. talking about Brian's news uh, yeah. this morning. Uh, and then uh, a remarkable turnaround at Reckitt. My question is really actually, though, to Howard, in terms of that sort of background, what was it, especially when you were looking at a lot of other candidates at the time, that you said, okay, this is it? Well, look at his experience. I mean, he's been uh, 19 years at McKinsey, worked at Pepsi. Uh, in every aspect of his experience at McKinsey, he can check every box as a world-class operator. But when he met our people, when I walked the stores with him, what I saw was somebody who truly understands the emotional connection that our people have with our customers. He understands what it means to be a merchant. He, our ambition in China has never been greater than it is today. We open more than one store a day in China. He has significant experience in China. But the partnership that we're going to create in terms of the future of the company, and he understands the ambition we have well beyond where we are today. Okay, and you're doing something quite unusual, which is, first of all, you're starting in October, but you don't take over the actual role until April. Correct. And what, what's behind that, and what are you planning to do? I know you're going to go on a tour of sorts with Howard over the next several months. Well, Howard and I co-created this. Um, essentially, I'm a sitting CEO, but as of October 1st, I have no P&L, I have no budget, I have no people reporting to me. It's actually a very liberating experience in so many ways. And it's a unique opportunity for me to apprentice uh, very close to an iconic founder in an iconic company with an iconic brand. And uh, what we're doing is a very structured immersion process, which involves connecting with partners, connecting uh, in stores. It's about understanding the support center, what all happens there. It's six months really of learning and getting steeped in the culture. I have a culture coach who is with me pretty much the entire journey. And so we're building this in a very structured manner. So at the end of it, I'm ready to take over, and we'll do so in the early part of next year. There are a lot of CEOs that would say this is, a, this is a crazy way to do it, right? I mean, a lot of people, because in a way, this is a somewhat brave thing to do insofar as, and I hope this doesn't happen, I mean, you're going to spend time with him. He won't even be in the role. If, if, I mean, there's going to be this transition period. You could say, I don't know if I like this. No, no, no. We, we have spent a great deal of time together over the last few months. We know each other very well. But I, I think it, it really speaks to the humility and the confidence that we have in each other, we have in the future of the company, and we're going to take our time, be very deliberate, and put Laxman in a position to succeed. And I think we're going to have a great time by the next few months. Okay, I don't know if you can answer this honestly. What is the part that you're worried about most? This well, is a big job for you. It, sure. Um, I think, first of all, it's a very special company. Um, and um, nothing in my past could fully prepare me for it. 
but at the same time, a lot of things that I've done in the past that I could bring to bear for this company. The one thing that I wanted to be sure of is that, uh, you know, uh, that there would be investments made in order for us to renew the partner experience, in order for us to rethink the customer experience. And some of the things Howard has done ever since he's come in, in terms of some of the bold decisions he's made, made me actually a lot more comfortable. So I'm at peace. How is this going to be different? than last time, as they say, Howard. And, and the reason I ask is right. there have been periods where you have left Starbucks, you've appointed a new CEO. Mm. Uh, for whatever reason, it didn't work out, and you decided you had to come back. Yeah. That's now happened twice. Why, di- why is this different? Well, first off, I'll tell you why it's different. I am never coming back again because we found the right person. But the ambition of Starbucks is much grander than ever before. And the leadership team, coupled with Laxman's leadership, uh, it's much different than ever before. Also, in 2008, when I did come back, uh, Starbucks was in a much different position. We did not have demand in our stores. We have record demand today. Laxman's coming in with the wind that is back. And so the growth of the company, the equity of the brand, uh, the significant position that Starbucks occupies in China is very, very different. But Andrew, I'm not coming back a third time. Laxman is here. I'm here to support him. And as I said before, we found a number one draft choice, the best possible candidate in the world to lead Starbucks. You say the wind is at his back, yes. uh, but there are a lot of uh, winds and challenges that are confronting the larger economy and arguably Starbucks sure. as well. Uh, inflation being a big piece of that, China being a big piece of that. Yeah. And then, of course, the headline that Starbucks is in the middle of, it seems like almost every day, which yeah. is labor and yeah. unions and what that's going to ultimately look yeah. like. Well, let's take it one at a time. First off, in the 51-year history of Starbucks, we've always played the long game. Uh, Look at the history of Starbucks creating long-term value for our shareholders and our people and our customers. In terms of China, uh, we've been in China now 21 years. We occupy a position like no other Western brand, about 6,000 stores. We're opening one store every 10 hours in China. The situation in China is opening up, so our position there China will be much larger than the U.S. when we're all said and done. In terms of inflation, we're, we've operated you know, with inflation and, and that headwind many, many right. times. It's going to come down, and we're doing fine. In terms of the union, it's very simple. We have a different vision for our people and the customer experience than a third party. That, that's simple. What's your experience with unions, by the way? You know, I've, uh, I haven't started here, of course. Uh, I have worked in a variety of manufacturing environments. And in a manufacturing environment, you clearly have unions. And so have I had experience working with them? Yes. But, are, you, uh, are you pro-union? Are you anti-union? How do you feel about unions? Let me tell you a small story. When I uh, came with, to meet Howard, uh, I spent a weekend with him. And uh, this weekend, we spent the first day just together, he and he talking. And he took me to the outlet here that uh, actually makes drinks. And I met Nisha, who's a partner. And uh, Howard said, you've got to try one of our new things. So I tried the vanilla sweet cream cold brew. It was an amazing product. I loved it. Sunday morning, he took me to Pike Place off that weekend. Nisha this was there. Is the original, this is the original Starbucks. It's the original yeah. Starbucks. And Nisha was there. And she said, I remember you. Now, she probably remembered me because Howard had said I was his friend. And uh, I said, I'll have my espresso doppio macchiato with a little bit of hot milk on the side. She made it for me. Now, I'll tell you something. I'm here looking, obviously, for some places as well as some care for my mother. But I went to the Pike Place store yesterday morning, and Nisha was there. And you know what she told me? She said, when the announcement came, I pointed out that I know this guy. That moment of connection over a cup of coffee is what this company is about. And I have to tell you one thing. 
that there are a lot of things that have happened over the last couple of years of COVID. There's been such a grand disconnect. We have a promise we've made to our partners. It's core to this company. And the reinvention of the partner experience is at the heart of what we're doing. And so um, I think that if we can create that magic all over and we can fulfill our promises to our partners, the opportunity with this company is limitless. Howard, speak, speak to this, though, because we talk about it on the show almost every day. There's some headline about some store that wants to unionize, doesn't want yeah. to unionize. There's yeah. something happening here. You, always, you have a reputation as somebody who was relatively progressive, especially when it comes to the benefits that you provided employees early. And I'm thinking about yeah. health care and education and all sorts, sure. of, all sorts of other items. And people would have described you perhaps even uh, a couple of years ago and said, Howard Schultz is woke, right? That's what they'd say. And here, That's what my kids say. And here we are now. And it appears that you're on the other side, or at least the, the folks on the, the, in, the, in the union world would say, how is it that this guy who we thought was, quote, woke, is not woke with us? Listen, uh, we're, we're certainly living at a, in, a, in a time when there is a cultural and political change in the country, and for that matter, many places outside of America. Which Starbucks has a footprint everywhere. We're in every community in America. We've built the kind of company in which the equity of the brand is based on us exceeding the expectations of our people and them exceeding the expectations of our customers. You're right, we created health care, free college tuition, equity in the form of stock, all those things. And now all of a sudden, uh, something shows up that's a little bit different than what we prepared for. But there's 9,000 company-owned stores and only 300 have been petitioned. And so I think there's been a, a lot made of this that's probably greater. Uh, it, it's not, it's not going to be something that is going to significantly change the course of history for Starbucks. It's that simple. Talking about the history of the course of Starbucks, yeah. um, I want a strategy question. Sure. Um, you've often talked about places like this yeah. as a, quote, third place between the home and the office, a place where people would hang out. Yeah. Uh, succeeded for a very long time because you offered free Wi-Fi. People would come. They'd, they'd see you're, you're, friends. you're dating both of us now. Right, but all of it. Yeah. And then the pandemic happened, yeah. and you have more people ordering online sure. on their phone. They're yeah. coming in, they're picking up and, and taking it on their way. They're getting in a car and, and going through drive-through. Yeah. What ultimately happens to the third place? Well, well first off, uh, we have record demand right now throughout our stores in the U.S. Record demand, despite all, these, all this noise about the third place. So we're meeting our customers on mobile order and pay, meeting our customers at drive-through pickup stores, and 2,500 stores in America are still relevant in terms of third place. But the third place is not limited to the four walls of Starbucks. Laxman said it so well. It's the emotional connection that our people have with the customer. And so we're going to revise our stores. We're going to build stores for the future that are going to, uh, I think, demonstrate the fact that we understand the change. But I wouldn't be so fast to say the third place experience is dead. So what, is it, but what does that store look like to you? What's the difference? The difference is that we will have different formats for different pieces of real estate that will be relevant to the customer's needs. Yeah. What about pricing? We've been talking a lot about inflation. Sure. Um, this is not, I'm pointing, pointing at my uh, cup of coffee this yeah. morning. It's not a cheap cup of coffee. And the question is whether you think that there's going to be consumer demand and how much price elasticity at this point you think you have. Now, we haven't seen any attrition whatsoever that demonstrates to us that the price of Starbucks coffee 
is not something that customers are, they want to give up. And so the demand for Starbucks, despite the fact that we had to raise prices about 5% over the past year because of inflation, our business is quite strong. And it's still an affordable luxury. You're still the CEO of Reckitt. What's your sense about inflation? You're, you're seeing it on all sides. You're, you're looking at this, this company you're about to come into, plus you're seeing it uh, from, 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 from London. I think, um, I think what you are seeing at this point in time is the consumer of the U.S. is holding up still. I think Europe, obviously, there's some concerns. Um, but I do think that um, if brands have differentiation and if brands provide benefits that are superior and they provide an escape, I think consumers are sticking with them for now. I want to ask you about your role at Pepsi uh, and McKinsey. This is, I think, a little bit different, um, not just in terms of the size and scale, but in terms of the customer-facing community that, that effectively is, is the marketing department of, of Starbucks every day, mm-hmm. and how you think you're going to relate to those people um, and what that, what that is going to be like, and, and if it's going to be different, you think, than what you were doing, at, for example, at Pepsi or Reckon. First of all, Starbucks is a very unique company. So I, I start with that. But if you look at the, uh, the experience I've had at Reckitt, where really what it was about unleashing the power and passion of 46,000 people around this idea of protect, heal, and nurture in the relentless pursuit of a cleaner and healthier world. If you look at PepsiCo Latin America, it was about performance with purpose with 75,000 people. Um, and um, if you look at what I had to do when I took over CEO of Latin America, I recognized very early, and Brian Cornell was a great coach, Indra as well, just around the idea that the connection with people is really important. And in Latin America, I knew that I was Indian, American, by the way, of Indian origin, um, but the connection with the people was really quite important. So I actually learned Spanish from the ground up. Um, it was very important for me to connect with the front line, to deliver a speech to them at the sales convention. The minute I did that, there were 60,000 of the 75,000 people who knew I cared. So I could go with a route driver in Veracruz or Torreon, and they would tell me about their life and their life story. It was very important for me to connect with that front line. I think that part of the scale is quite portable, brought here. And I realized that now when I interact with partners here, that they just want to actually have someone who right. understands them. You're, you're going to put on the green apron and get behind? Get behind. You've yes. done it already? How are I am, your barista skills? Oh, you know what? I've got 30 hours of barista training. I'm quite nervous about it. It's the thing I'm no, most nervous about because I want to do that really well. And so, yes. You that you've had 30 hours of training already? No, 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 oh, no. You have to I'm going to when I come in and okay. do this uh, program of immersion. It's 30 hours of barista training, which I'm going to be going through. You're going to do great. Are the cold drinks harder to make than the hot drinks at this point? No. No. No? No, no but it's, it's a demanding. Um, I want you to weigh in on this, Howard, because we talked to you uh, just a couple months ago about getting people back into the office. And this is, I mean, oh, we're, we po- we're post-Labor Day now. Yeah. This is a debate that's happening, happening across the country. Yeah. Um, how's it going? Are you getting people back to the office? You know, I think I'm making more progress today than when we talked in D.C. a couple of months ago. And I, I, you know, I've asked people to come back. I, you know, I made a comment that went viral. That I would do push-ups, stand yep. on my head, do anything I can. Here's the point. We're a collaborative organization. We need to be together. Also, I want to respect the fact that Two, three hundred thousand people in the U.S. are working in our stores every day in our roasting plants. I want to respect them, so I'm, I've asked our people to come back about three days a week, and they're starting to come back. I'm, I'm really pleased with that. Do you have a similar view? Are you allowed to not have a similar view about the office? I will have my view, and uh, I think over time, uh, you know, as soon as I join, 
yeah. will get a much better read on what it is like. But yes, I will. Absolutely, uh, we've talked about this. I want to make one point that I, you know, you brought it up earlier, but I want to make it more definitively. Uh, after we go through this five, six month period, there will be one leader at Starbucks, and it won't be me, it'll be Laxman. And so I'm here to coach, support, do everything I can, but Laxman will be the definitive decision maker and CEO of Starbucks Coffee Company. Um, two more quick questions. Kevin Johnson, yes. um, when, he when, when he took over, you had, you had left the company and had left the board as well. Yeah. And so that part is different. You're going to stay on the board. I'm staying on the board, uh, working with Melody and the board to do everything we can to support Laxman, and I'll be here when and if he needs me. And, um, and that's different. That's different. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite coffee? Espresso doppio macchiato. That's love it. And I just like have the fancy. Answer. That's like fancy. It's not fancy. You know, it's my way of replicating what South Indian coffee is. In a, you know, it feels and tastes the same. South Indian coffee is, by the way. Is, how big? How big Starbucks in, in India? Three hundred and fifty stores. In India. You should say what happened about the announcement in India. Oh, there been you know there been many many memes. I've had many suggestions like you would not believe. What, what kind of memes? What are we talking about? And we're talking about you know. Um, no, how proud people have been. Well, well, but what? But the memes being new coffee. Well, I've got a lot of suggestions. <laughs> a lot of suggestions of what I need to do. Okay. Well, I come from the hometown of Pune, where all the stores close from close from one to four. And they've been telling me that I should shut all, short, all stores from one to four in honor of my hometown. <laughs> That's not happening, by the way. Okay. Uh, Howard, uh, we're going to call you Lax. We appreciate it very, very much. Congratulations. Um, and I know that uh, you guys are going to be uh, doing a lot next week with yeah. the big investor. And Andrew, thanks for coming to Seattle to do this. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Congratulations. We'll be right back. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. That's Squawk Pod for today. Thanks for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern. And follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. If you've been listening for a while, or even if you're new here, let us know what you think. You can tweet us at Squawk CNBC or leave a review right in your own words on Apple Podcasts. That helps other listeners discover us. We'll meet you right back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. 
See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.